0: From the PSIA AASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair, great guest, Jonathan Ballou. Uh, Where will skiing take you? And part two of making good skiing awesome skiing. Jonathan, thanks for joining us.
1: Uh, Thanks for uh, having me back on. Sorry it's been so long since we've talked. I've been traveling a bit and uh, trying to get into summer for the first time in 13
0: years. Well, let's get away from summer and talk about skiing
1: nothing would make me happier yeah okay
0: (laughs) so i've listened to your presentation which is phenomenal on making good skiing awesome skiing and part one we were really doing more of an introduction i'd like to get into some of the technical aspects that you discuss in your presentation Uh, changes that we can make that are fairly subtle uh, but they make a huge difference in our skiing
1: yeah they're, they're all pretty small um you know, if you can already make a parallel turn and you can ski most terrain, you're doing 9 out of 10 things or 99 out of 100 things right because you're getting where you want to go making the ski work. Really what we're talking about isn't completely reworking skiing. It's just changing our intent and some subtle mechanics that set us up for much more success. But what were your takeaways, George, from the both that presentation and that first, uh, first conversation we had?
0: Well, one of the things I notice, I mean, photos of, say, you or Michael Rogan where you're making turns and it's almost like your ski boot buckles from both skis are, or from both boots are actually in the snow and your knees are just right there and you look so dynamic. And I look at a picture of myself and I'm just kind of standing on my skis.
1: Yeah, those pictures are usually taken of us. We're, we're actually standing still with people throwing snow at us laying uh-huh. on the ground, so they're fake. <laughs> no, um, you know, that stuff is interesting. You people would take those um, those uh, those still pictures, and um, I've got a bunch of them on my wall, actually, that I'm staring at right now. I'm looking at Costa Lich and I'm looking at Hersher right now, and I'm looking at, at, uh, uh, at, at Pantharo. And if we take those, um, those still pictures, we can take a look at that really hyper-angulated and inclined, um, super-engaged ski performance picture and say, okay, that's, that's my target. I'm going to aim for that piece right there. And, you know, let, let's think about what happens, the sequence of events that happens if we aim for that picture, that still image, which is taking place in the middle of the turn or the beginning of the second half if somebody's pretty good, it's in there. Sometimes we see those if somebody's going across the hill because it's easy to get forced then. But they're really good guys, like I just mentioned, and ladies that, that we can see ski like Shiffrin and, and Vaith, Um that stuff taken like just below the gate or you know the second and the top of the second half of the turn um that's not the target that they're aiming for if we aim for that target what happens is what do we do we move inside we push our body towards the ground we get uh tons of edge angle and all of those things take us away from the fundamental thing that's making that happen a hyper engaged or very engaged outside ski as you move if you move towards the inside of the turn Moving away from the force that's pushing on you, the force, the force that's bending the ski, the force that's going to get you the angle, and you end up disengaging the outside ski and being more on the inside ski. And then we see these pictures of people who get these high angles at the end of the turn with a bit of an A-frame, a little rotated, but they think they're really ripping because they got inside. And if we really want to get inside and move against the ski or get the ski to work like, like the greats do... It's a different set of focuses than the result of that image.
0: So I'm going to get back to your original question, which was, what were my takeaways? And I really put that in the introduction, which was very subtle changes, which, when I tried them out, made a huge difference in my skiing. And, like, let's get into the feet. You know, I've always heard back of the arch, uh, middle of the arch. You said, we want to engage the heel, as well as the shin, and when I raised my toes and did that, oh my gosh, railroad tracks were taken to a whole new level
1: perfect, so you got the basic components right there. Let me put a little context around that. Where we're talking about the turn is not at the point that is in that picture where the buckles are dragging in the ground it's in the it's in the transition it's in the exit of the old turn to the beginning of the new turn. All great things in skiing start there. If you don't set it up well, it ain't going to happen right. So we need to start with very proactive movements in the beginning of the turn that will result in this very engaged ski um, that creates the imagery we're looking for and the performance we're looking for. But the, re- the beginning of this is the foundation. And what better way to start with foundation than starting with what you do with your feet and boots? I mean, your boot is the interface. Foot-to-boot in, foot is the interface that allows you to control the ski, manage forces, um, and get the performance you're looking for. To do that, you have to have a sound structure. George, you do squats, right? Absolutely. Where do you stand when you do squats? What part of your foot?
0: Back of my foot, and I'm really trying to engage my heel. Do the same with the lunge.
1: In the studio right now, stand up, move away from the mic, do two bodyweight squats. Tell me where your weight is, and uh, tell me where your weight isn't on your foot.
0: That's one squat. That's two squats, and it's on my heels. It is not on the ball of my foot.
1: Right. Your ball of foot was touching the ground, right? It wasn't like Correct. up in the air because that would be really hard to balance. It was on the ground. It was there. You need it. But your weight was traveling through your heel, right? Imagine mm-hmm. if you put 150 pounds or 200 pounds or 225 or 300 pounds on your back. Would you change your weight to the front of your foot, or would you leave it right where it is in that place of power?
0: I think I'd leave it right where it is in the place of power.
1: Yeah, because anything else is going to be weak. Skiing exactly. um, Skiing's the same. There's a reason these guys and girls that we're talking about ski really well, do lots of squats, and they do it like that, not on the ball of their foot or standing on their arch. First of all, you don't stand on your arch. You just stand on something that's touching the ground. Your foot's a tripod. You've got a heel, you've got a ball, and you've got uh, the part under your little toe, right? your fifth met- metatarsal phalangeal joint. Um, those are your points of contact. If you were to, to put a pressure plate under your foot – while you're doing squats or while you're setting up for movement and skiing and transition, it's not going to be – there's going to be primary pressure on the heel, and then it does move forward. It does move forward to the ball of the foot. There's no question, but not at the expense of the heel. We don't, like, get off the heel and push into the ball of the, ball of the foot. As we move forward, weight gets levered forward onto the front of the foot, but it still travels through the heel. Because if it doesn't, we lose that base of support that allows us to get the power and manage the forces we're talking about key there is something else you said it's the it's the it's the, it's the um uh it's the shin or the cuff of the boot if you're gonna put your weight through your heel you're gonna have to get forward from somewhere else because forward's pretty darn important in skiing um i mean how many times have we coached people because not to go back it's like the number one thing we we hear from even both effective and ineffective coaching is uh move forward <laughs> how you do it is more important than, than that you did it if you move forward by pushing your toes down and pushing into the ball of the foot, a lot of these actually going back. If you stay on the heel and flex the ankle forward by making the tibialis anterior engage, it pulls forward onto the pulls you forward onto the shin. So with that, the weight being it being um, uh, uh, supported, your body mass being supported by the heel, but the cuff of the boot being engaged, you now have a bit of a lever, which is what the boot is—a lever to engage the front of the ski and to drive the front of the ski which is a lot more effective than say pushing into the ball of the foot, which only pushes into just behind the toe piece, the binding. But if you use the lever of the boot cuff, which is why there's some forward lean and some, some ramp angle in your boot, it starts to drive the front of the ski downward, which engages the tip.
0: Now I wanna I wanna deviate a little bit from this because I, I think this is extremely important um it's easy to get in that position by lifting your toes, heels are engaged, shins against the front of the boot. But what do we do when we get nervous uh into some terrain that's a little bit adrenaline uh building? We tend to ball our toes.
1: Uh yes, and that's just going to happen to an extent. Um when we get nervous in anything, we start to lose some of our fine motor skills, we start to back off on things. Um we get when we push our comfort zone. That's not where we gain new um, new skills, right? Or we where we, um, uh, where we where we I should say where we refine the skills that we have. We get into survival mode. So yeah, you got to know where your emotional comfort level is in this. Um, but if you're balling your feet up, that's not going to work very well either. Um, <laughs> let me go back to something though about the lifting the toes. Lifting the toes and lifting the front of the foot is an exercise. It's not the outcome. It's pretty hard for most people to engage their tibialis interior to drive their shin forward. There's two ways you can move your shin into the cuff of the boot. You can use your body weight, which is to stand up and lean forward. And if anybody who's listening to this has ski boots on, try it, and you'll find your heel comes up. That's obviously not based on the things we just talked about. That's not the most effective way to do that. The other way to do that is to sink downward more into the heel and engage that triangular muscle on the front of your shin, your tibialis interior, to pull your shin forward. Until somebody learns how to do that and activate that muscle, um, it's, uh, it's not a very big muscle on most people. There's not a lot of power in that muscle. Um, until somebody learns how to do that uh, by driving the shin forward or with, using that muscle to drive the shin forward, um, it's helpful to have an exercise. And an ex- the, easiest way, the easiest way that I found to, to, to engage that muscle is to lift the top of the foot or lift the toes, but it's really the top of the foot that gets lifted. But as soon as you get good at that, you need to keep the foot flat on the ground, because you wouldn't do squats with your toes in the air, because you'd lose balance. You wouldn't ski with your toes in the air, because you lose balance. But you do want to ski with your shin shin muscle engaged to pull your shin forward.
0: Yeah, I'm doing that as I'm sitting here in my chair, and I'm keeping my feet on the ground, but I'm lifting the top of my foot, and it's pulling my shin forward. All right. So Jonathan, what are some other small changes and adjustments we can make that will really improve our skiing?
1: Um, so we talk a lot about, I'm going to talk a little bit about release for a second. I'm going I'm to paint release from a different picture. Um, when I say the word release, most people say the word release in, in skiing. What they think of is releasing the edges from the old from the old turn, so they can engage the new edges. Would you agree with that, George? Yes. Okay, that's not how I think of release. It's an important thing to untip the feet and tip them in the new direction. Absolutely. But what is actually holding you in the new turn? You could argue the edges. From my perspective, it's the pressures, the force, centripetal, centripetal force from the. Uh, uh, from one turn that's holding you in the turn. You have to release that. And when you release that, you start moving into the new turn. So for me, the beginning of release is not an untipping movement or a tipping of a new direction. It's a release of pressure. If I'm going left, that pressure that holds me in the turn is coming through my right foot. So I need to get rid of that. That's the release that I'm looking for. A few ways I can do that, I can just relax the. The, uh, the right leg, which takes pressure away from that. But where does that go? It's going go to go onto the left foot. So the simplest way I can I can get started, and it's probably all the time we're going to have today to get into the simplest thing I can do to get started with my new turn, is not worry about untipping the ski, but releasing the pressure from one foot and moving it to the other one. Um, I hear the U.S. ski team girls talk all the time about we release the old ski by moving to the new ski. So another way to look at that would be just to have the intention to add pressure to the new foot. So if I'm coming out of the right out of the uh, the left turn pressure on my right foot, I'm going to add pressure to my left foot through the end of that turn while it's still on its old edges. By adding pressure to that foot, I begin releasing or moving pressure from the other foot and that begins the release process. The edging at that pers- from that point kind of takes care of itself. In doing this, I become connected to the new outside ski very early through the heel and the cuff of the boot so that it's engaged and balanced on it, and it's ready to engage right at the top of the turn. So I can get the power that will result in that imagery that you just described earlier of the angles and the engagement and the boots dragging in the ground, all the cool stuff we see in pictures. But I can get the beginning of that at the top of the turn so I get the result in the middle of the turn. When we think about the release being just in the edging plane, what happens is we move... what often happens is people move very laterally or too laterally and they move away from the outside ski and they skip that really fundamental thing of being engaged at the top of the turn with the new outside ski through the right parts of the boot, you know, the heel and the shin, that's going to result in the imagery they're looking for. Instead, they end up too far inside without the engagement and then do not get the performance or power that, uh, that, uh, that is demonstrated by the imagery we initially discussed.
0: That's so interesting to me because as you were describing uh the pressure changes there. I was just picturing skiing behind Dave Schuling and Jeb Boyd last spring, and I could just see exactly what you were talking about. It's very dynamic and a beautiful start to the mm-hmm. turn.
1: Both those guys do that well.
0: Now, Jonathan, in conclusion, I'd love for you to tell us some things we can do in the off season. Uh you really described uh, some great exercises we can do uh squats lunges uh by raising the top of our foot and getting the the feel of that going can you give us some uh things we could do to work on the pressure changes
1: Sure um a lot of it comes from stance you know we had an old statement in the uh statement in the old national standards said uh, uh extension facilitates release which um is uh an older way of thinking of things so i'll, I'll just leave it at that um uh, the um that's that's not going to work for this um <laughs> one way to, to to try dry land like in the squat thing um start in a mid-range squat so not a tall position not a super flex position but kind of a mid-range flex position um and transfer weight completely by lifting one foot and then the other moving foot to foot and see if you can do that with no raise in the body no extension upwards so the the head and pelvis stay level as the body as the foot as the weight moves from foot to foot and then also see if you can do that by looking in a mirror with as little lateral movement towards the foot so leaving basically your hip and torso at the same height and same like left-right orientation and see if you can just pick your foot up, each each foot, you know, alternating left and right. Um, next, take that to skiing and um, take it into an outside ski turn. The key is lift the entire new outside, new, sorry, lift the entire new inside foot before you change edges. So you actually begin the, ski, the turn on the little toe edge of the new outside ski and then roll it over with the other ski in the air. And see if you can do that without extending the leg to transfer weight.
0: And Jonathan, obviously we're going to have a part three of making good skiing awesome skiing. Uh, but can you just give us kind of a, a summation of what we've talked about and where we want to go from here?
1: Well, what we talked about, George, was some of the inspirational imagery we see where people are dragging their their buckles in the snow and the skis in this really high edge angle. It looks like they maybe even have a hip in the ground or dragging their inside knuckles. And how we get there. Um, that aesthetic which is awe-inspiring comes from not trying to do that aesthetic but doing some very simple power-based things at the start of the turn that will end up with that result and our intention needs to be to do those things in the start of the turn to set ourselves up for success so that result happens naturally it's not contrived those things we talked about were starting with the foundation in in transition of where we stand how do we stand on our feet uh, how do we get the most out of our boot-foot interaction? And that has to do with having the center of pressure where you stand on your heel and using the cuff of the boot by using the shin. And how we get to the sh- – I'm sorry, using the shin to push into the cuff of the boot. And how we do that is by engaging the shin muscle, the tibialis, tibialis anterior, to drive the shin forward into the cuff. An exercise for that is to lift the top of the foot. I can't stress enough that that's an exercise when you're actually skiing. You foot, the front of your foot does a lot of stuff that needs to be it needs to be used. And therefore, it needs to be relaxed and, and in contact, even somewhat weight-bearing in the boot. But as an exercise, it's fine to lift it. Next, we talked about getting to the new outside ski before we change edges, or at least beginning the process of getting there. And it's the concept of releasing the old outside ski by engaging the new outside ski. George, that brings us to a wrap on this section, but uh, there's a few more places we can go after this. Um, So one of them is more in the edging mechanics, because while I I talked about the way I think about release isn't really about release of edge, release of pressure. There is some nuance in how how we change edge that's incredibly important that um, I'd love to talk about at some point. And then uh, decoding the um, the uh, the mystery of forward movement. How do we do it? Why do we do it? When do we don't do it? And what's it do to the ski?
0: Jonathan Ballou, thanks very much for joining us. I look forward to our next chat very soon. From the PSIA AASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.